You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world. Plus, tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Today on the Useless Information Retrocast, you'll hear stories about a woman who dumped her fiancé at the altar to marry the minister. And you'll find out who the unlikely suspects in a case of truck tire sabotage actually were. Let's just say they were very, very small. Plus, you'll hear the crazy story of a man who used rattlesnakes to keep his wife from leaving their home. Let's just say that the whole scheme backfired on him. I am Steve Silverman, and all those stories and many more, plus today's retro sponsor and the question of the day, are coming up next on today's Useless Information Retrocast. Useless Information. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. It's a beautiful day here in the Northeast, and I have a bunch of really good stories that I picked out for you today. So let's jump right into the first one. Imagine this. On December 29th of 1921, the Brookside Methodist Church in Birmingham, Alabama was fully decorated for the wedding of schoolteacher Icy Williams to contractor Neil Jay. The invitations had been sent out and everything was all set for their big day. The Reverend John Clifton Draper, or J. Clifton Draper as he's better known, was set to officiate. But the wedding was not to be, at least not that wedding. And that's because at the 11th hour, Miss Williams realized that she loved Reverend Draper more than she did her own fiancé. Not only that, but the 25-year-old Reverend Draper confessed his desire to marry 21-year-old Icy. So the two sent a telegram to Neil, who was working in North Carolina at the time, to let him know, of course, that the wedding was off. And now that Neil was history, the two wasted no time. They obtained a marriage license and they were immediately wed. But there was one big problem. That is that Neil J. never received that telegram. He was already en route to the wedding rehearsal. So imagine his surprise when he arrived to find out that his girl had already married someone else. Now most people would be screaming their heads off, but he took it graciously and wished the newlyweds much happiness before he returned to North Carolina. Now, I was unable to locate further information on the groom dumped at the altar, Neil J. That's mainly because there were many people named Neil J. at the time. But the Drapers would go on to have two children. They were Virginia and John Jr. And they would remain married until the Reverend passed away on February 9th of 1966 at 70 years of age. I see she lived until January 18th, 1991 and passed away at 90 years of age. 
The Knoxville News Sentinel ran a story on August 21st, 1931 about Lucille Reagan, who was thrilled that Lucille Reagan had finally got married. Now, of course, most women are thrilled when they get married, but that is not what was happening here. These were two different Lucille Reagans. And while their names were spelled with slight differences, the unmarried Lucille Reagan was Lucille with two L's, and her last name was spelled R-A-G-A-I-N, versus, of course, the married Lucille Reagan, who spelled Lucille with one L, and her last name was just as former President Reagan spelled it R-E-A-G-A-N, but they both pronounced their names identically. But not only that, they both had brown eyes, reddish-brown hair, and they were small in stature. And to make matters worse, these two young women, they both lived on 4th Avenue in Knoxville, Tennessee, and they attended Knoxville High School at the same exact time. So needless to say, it confused everyone. Quote, We've been frequently amused and often embarrassed, the unmarried Lucille told the reporter. The married Lucille, who's now referred to as Mrs. Hugo Babcock, added, Yes, I remember even when we were in high school together, our boyfriends would often call up the wrong Lucille. To which the unmarried Lucille commented, and we have been getting each other's mail for years. Mrs. Babcock added, quote, I guess she's glad I'm married for perhaps his mistaken identity business will end. The unmarried Lucille just laughed and stated, quote, well, maybe I'm just envious. Now, interestingly, and I just found this out, this constant confusion could have easily been avoided. And that's because the first name of both women, it wasn't Lucille. Their complete names were, and this is the unmarried Lucille, Elizabeth Lucille Reagan, and she had graduated from Knoxville High School in 1925. And then there was the married Lucille, that's Frances Lucille Reagan, who graduated in 1927. I guess it's just one more coincidence in that they both prefer to go by their middle names. Now, here's a strange story about some criminals who could never be caught. And that's because they weren't spilling the beans. They had a habit of flying the coop, and they all seemed to look alike. The scene of the crime was an alley on 7th Street between Nicollet and Hennepin, which is behind an old Woolworth store in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I have to tell you, I was unable to locate this on Google Maps, but I'm guessing it's the alley behind Hennepin Avenue and South 7th Street. If someone lives there, let me know for sure. As you'd expect, this alley was used by trucks to deliver goods to the stores, and it's reported that someone had scattered nails onto the pavement. And you know what that means. Nails plus rubber tires equals flat tires. But luckily, the nails were swept up before any damage was done. But the nails continued to reappear on the roadway. Not once, not twice, but five more times. It was time for the police to get involved. Enter the investigative skills of patrolman George Engels. His hunch was that the nails were falling off the back of a truck. So he asked an elevator operator in the Woolworth building to keep an eye out to see if any nails fell off the trucks. But none were observed. Now, from the article, it's unclear if the break in the case happened to Officer Engels or to the elevator operator, but one of the two was standing in the alley when they were bombarded with nails from above. Could it have come from a window, off of the roof, from an airplane? Well, a little investigative work was done, and it turned out to be none of these. It was the pigeons. 
You see, in the downtown, they were unable to obtain twigs, string, straw, or whatever to build their nests. So they used whatever they could. So they picked up nails from construction sites and off the roofs of old buildings, and they carried them to their nests. And as evidence, a partially constructed nest, which was made of nails, was found on a third-floor window ledge confirming their hunch. It was thought the gusts of wind, plus gravity of course, eventually brought the nail nest down onto the pavement below. And Patrolman Engels had the perfect solution to this problem. All they needed to do was place twigs and straw around the area, and then the birds could use that to build their nests. The Kraft Foods Company brings you The Adventures of the Falcon, starring Les Damon. You met the Falcon first in his best-selling novels. Then you saw him in his thrilling motion picture series. Now join him on the air when the Falcon solves... The Case of the Quarrelsome Quartet. Before the Falcon starts on tonight's case, I'd like to say just a word about something extra delicious. Kraft mayonnaise. Here's really true mayonnaise at its finest. One taste will tell you that. Just one taste of delicate, exquisitely flavored Kraft mayonnaise will tell you that here is mayonnaise to delight even the fussiest cook. Try it. Try it and see for yourself. Tomorrow when you shop, get a jar of wonderful-tasting Kraft mayonnaise. That commercial is from the September 3rd, 1950 broadcast of The Falcon, as you just heard. And it was a detective series that ran on both the NBC and Mutual Radio Networks from April 10th of 1943 through November 27th of 1954. It's estimated that some 70 episodes were produced. Now, there is debate over the origin of the Falcon character. Some claim that it was introduced as a short story penned by Michael Arlen while others credit Drexel Drake, which was a pseudonym for Charles H. Huff. Either way, The Falcon was made into a series of successful movies, after which the popular character was introduced to radio audiences. As for Kraft mayonnaise, Kraft acquired four mayonnaise manufacturers between 1928 and 1929, and then they introduced their own branded mayonnaise in 1930. But since mayonnaise is an emulsion of egg yolks, vegetable oil, and an acid, that could be vinegar or lemon juice, Kraft needed to find a lower-cost product that they could sell during the Great Depression. So their solution was Miracle Whip, which was introduced in 1933 at the Chicago World's Fair. What's interesting is that regulations in the United States require mayonnaise to have both egg yolks and to be at least 65% vegetable oil by weight. And that's why many brands that meet these criteria are labeled real mayonnaise. Of course, Miracle Whip and many other products don't meet these criteria, so they are not considered mayonnaise. But there is a way around it. All you have to do is call it mayo. Mayo simply implies that it's mayonnaise, but it doesn't really have to be. Now, I do have a couple more of the Kraft mayonnaise commercials that came from the same exact show, so I'll play those for you later in the podcast. So here's a question for you. How many people die from snake bites worldwide each year? I have to tell you, I don't think anybody knows the exact answer. It's just an approximation. So just try and get it to the power of 10, you know, whether it's 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, million, so on. 
how many people die from snake bites worldwide each year. Anyway, hang around for a bit and I'll let you know the answer at the end of this podcast. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from today's sponsors, but when we return, you'll hear more fascinating true stories, the Kraft Mayo commercials that I promised, plus the answer to today's question of the day. So I'll see you on the flip side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. And now it's time for the segment I call Footnotes to History. And uh, there's no further research that can be done on these stories. Basically, I'm just going to read these articles word for word as they were written years ago. And the first story is untitled, but it's dated June 27th of 1911. Here we go. James Stoner, a mountaineer, was found dead beside a bridge leading to his home in the hills near Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania yesterday. Near him were four rattlesnakes fastened by thongs to the rocks. He had been bitten to death. A party of fishermen killed the snakes, and from the man's wife in the cabin across the stream, they learned that the dead man had tied the snakes there because he was jealous and feared his wife would have visitors in his absence. For five years, Stoner had kept the snakes at the little bridge, the woman said, and she had never dared to leave the place in that time. On Sunday night, he came home intoxicated, she said, slipped at the bridge, and fell among the snakes. Hmm. (laughs) I have to say, did you ever get this feeling that sometimes people get what they deserve? Anyway, um, I have to tell you, I cannot ever read Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania without thinking about the Groundhog and the movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray. It's one of my favorites. There's very few movies that I've seen multiple times, but I love Groundhog Day. Uh, if you've never seen it, check it out. It's an old movie at this point, but uh, very enjoyable. This story is dated November 17th of 1934, and it's titled Cap Becomes Flaming Torch, Damage $100, Vineland, New Jersey, Associated Press. Mrs. Victor Barbaglia has a cat who tried its best today to emulate Mrs. O'Leary's cow of Chicago fire fame. Mrs. Barbaglia's cat, however, went the cow one better and carried its fire around with it. Mrs. Barbaglia went into the basement early today to tend the furnace. When an oily rag caught fire, she picked it up and tossed it aside without looking to see where it went. It landed on the cat's back, setting fire to the fur. The cat scrambled upstairs, hopped into Mrs. Barbaglia's bed, and set fire to the bedclothes and to the nightdress of Mrs. Barbaglia, who had followed the cat. 
Mrs. Barbaglia, unable to beat out the flames, leaped from the window and rolled in the grass, extinguishing the fire. The bed and the home were damaged to the extent of $100. Now, adjusting for inflation, $100 would be about $2,100 today. Now, I was left with one major question after I read this. What happened to the cat? (laughs) Now, before I tell this next story, I should tell you who Henry Seagrave was because it is mentioned in the story. He was the first person to hold both the land speed and the water speed records at the same time. He was also the first person to travel over 200 miles per hour, that's 320 kilometers per hour, in a land vehicle. Sadly, he died at age 33 in 1930, and that was after he broke the water speed record. Basically, his boat capsized on his third run, killing both him and another man. And here's the story. It's dated March 30th, 1935, and it's titled, Yes, We Have Some Bananas, Tarantula 2. Montgomery, Alabama, Associated Press. A truck loaded with bananas bounded crazily, drunkenly down the street, finally coming to a stop against the curbing as policeman Bill Collins raced up and bounded on the running board beside the driver. Who do you think you are, Major Seagrave or who? shot the infuriated officer who bounded off the running board at the driver's quaking answer. Quote, Officer, I've got a tarantula in my britches. Policeman Collins operated on the driver's pants with his knife and out-dropped the big poisonous spider. A slap from the officer's blackjack killed the tarantula, and Policeman Collins smiled as he walked away and placed the unused subpoena book back in his pocket. A little shaky, R.L. Hathaway of Pensacola went back to his driver's seat, continuing with the load of bananas. Now, my parents used to sell tarantulas in their pet shop, and it was not a pet that I was very interested in. In fact, I wouldn't handle them at all. If someone wanted to look at a tarantula or purchase one, I got my parents, my brother, or someone else. I just didn't want to deal with them. Anyway, moving on. This is probably a good place to hear another one of those Kraft mayonnaise commercials. So let's take a listen. Well, sounds as though Mike follows that good old theory that seeing is believing. Of course, that's a pretty smart idea, I think. And it's a good one for everyone to follow when it comes to food. For example, I can tell you how satiny smooth Kraft mayonnaise is. What an amazing, creamy, rich texture it has because of the special way Kraft blends it. But to really appreciate just how smooth Kraft Kitchen Fresh mayonnaise is, get a jar and see for yourself. That way you can taste for yourself, too. You won't have to take my word for it that Kraft mayonnaise is especially good. With a delicate, delightful flavor... The result of careful blending of only the finest oils and eggs, the most fragrant vinegars and spices. Yes, the best way to tell is to taste Kraft mayonnaise yourself. Try it on a cool and colorful salad of hollowed-out tomatoes topped with spicy deviled eggs and garnished with fresh and tangy watercress. It's really delicious. So tomorrow when you shop, get a jar of Kraft Kitchen Fresh Mayonnaise. Whether you're serving a simple, everyday kind of salad or a fancy company special... You'll enjoy it more with true mayonnaise at its finest, Kraft Mayonnaise. So here's another story for you. It's from 1949, and the headline reads, Nimrod Gives Bizarre Excuse. Thermont, Maryland, September 21st, Associated Press. Two Baltimore hunters are $300 poorer today because of a slight misunderstanding in the field. 
Cecil D. Wiblin paid two $100 fines on charges of shooting a 35-pound, that's 15.9 kilograms, a 35-pound fawn and possessing deer meat. Now, a $100 fine back then is about $1,200 today. The article continues, Conrad Ropel was fined $100 on the possession charge. Wiblin explained just how it happened, and you're going to love this one. He mistook the fawn for a crown dog. Okay. And our last story for today is dated February 10th of 1950, and the headline reads, Dog Saves Lives of 60 Men College Students. Not male, men college students. Laramie, Wyoming, February 10th, Associated Press. A persistent pooch named Piedmont was credited with saving the lives of 60 men students at the University of Wyoming early today. The little German schnauzer's barking when he became sick aroused some of the residents of a 72-room, one-story frame-type wartime dormitory. They discovered carbon monoxide fumes in the building. Only 18 men were hospitalized and seven of those were released this afternoon. Hospital officials said the condition of the 11 was, quote, very good. University officials said the gas seeped through the building on a backdraft created by a combination of wind and open doors. Now, if you're curious, dogs cannot smell carbon monoxide. In fact, because they have smaller lungs and they have a smaller size overall, they are more likely to die sooner than humans will. So these people actually got quite lucky. So early in the podcast, I asked you how many people die each year from snake bites worldwide. Did you know the answer? Well, it's approximately 100,000. Now, according to the World Health Organization, they estimate somewhere between 81,400 and 137,880 people. So 100,000 is a good approximation. You know what Mike said just now about getting there first? Sounds like the race that usually goes on in my house for the last piece of cold chicken in the refrigerator. But a chicken sandwich sure makes a swell snack. Especially when you put lots of Kraft mayonnaise on the bread. Mmm, the delicate flavor of Kraft mayonnaise is just exactly what you want. And Kraft mayonnaise is so creamy, rich, and smooth. Just try it. For a grand sandwich spread as well as for fine salads, there's nothing like true mayonnaise at its finest. Kraft Kitchen Fresh Mayonnaise. Well, that brings another episode of the Useless Information Podcast to a close. Now, my original plan was to have my wife, Mary Jane, record this episode with me, but my computer died last Tuesday. And when I say died, I mean D-O-A. It just simply wouldn't power on. Now, I did check the power supply, and it seemed to be working fine, but I just couldn't get the thing to boot up. So I had to have a new computer shipped in quickly, and I spent several days setting it up. Now, the easy part was moving the hard drives over to the new machine, but it still took several days to install all the software and, you know, restore all the databases and everything else. What I found interesting is I had to purchase an off-the-shelf model. It's the only way I can get it so quickly. And this new computer is actually slower than the one it was replacing, and I purchased that one way back in 2013. Now, as I've mentioned before, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with someone else. And it can be anyone you can think of, you know, a relative, colleague, classmate, or whomever. As you know, many of the forums, the groups, and whatever online, they don't allow self-promotion. They'll just kick you out. And that makes it difficult for me to do it personally. And that's why I ask for your help in spreading the word of the podcast. 
Now, I did notice that one person, a guy named Harold, I'll leave his last name out, a guy named Harold the other day did spread word on Facebook of the podcast, and I'm greatly appreciative of that. And I'm sure that others have done the same, and I'm not aware of it. So thanks to everyone for what you've done. Anyway, uh, the subject of the next podcast, I think, will be Henry Ford. At least that's my current plan. It's a pretty involved story, so I'm hoping I can pull it all together by the end of the month. And if not, I do have a few other stories in the works that I can substitute. Anyway, as always, if you'd like to contact me about this episode, my books, the podcast itself, the website, or whatever, you can do so through my email at steve at uselessinformation.org. You can use Facebook Messenger, or you can use the contact form on my website, which is uselessinformation.org. Anyway, thanks as always for listening, and take care, everyone. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.